We're live. Okay. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast from P-Town. This is your co-host, and your host will now bring you our news from our news correspondent. Is that my cue? Yes. Going? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the podcast from P-Town. We kind of missing saying that since somebody's taking over the lead. I uh, hope everybody's having a good week out there. It is pretty hot. Mm-hmm. The, you know, back in the biblical times, they said the devil is in the world, but I don't think he is now. I think he went down to hell because it's cooler there. Yeah, We're uh, reaching temperatures above 100 degrees today. Well, right at about 100 degrees today. We cooled off to 98 right now. I forgot to tell you, the thermometer in my truck quit working on the way home for some reason. It said it was 58 all the way home. Nice. It wasn't 58. No. Um, anyhow, so taking a look at the news, this here one has got me a little bit frustrated. It says there will be a gun control measure on Oregon's fall ballot. It says Oregonians will decide in November whether people wanting to purchase a fire or a gun will first have to qualify for a permit after one of the strictest gun control measures in the nation landed on the ballot. Oregonians will decide in November whether people wanting to purchase a gun will have to qualify for a gun control permit. That was just the same thing. Try again. Huh. Secretary of State Shernia Fagan's elections division determined on Monday that the gun safety campaign delivered through or delivered enough verified signatures of registered voters, which we all know that it doesn't take registry can be dead people mm-hmm. um, to put initiative 17 on the ballot for the november 8th election election officials said 131,671 signatures were validated more than the minimum 112,080 that were needed this just got me thinking where do these people they, come from they can get all these people on this ballot measure to do their signatures uh-huh. but when we have these recall things go through for kate brown however many times you try to do it no you never can get enough signatures for that and i know that I, mean, I didn't even yeah. see this thing or hear about this. I thing. didn't hear about it until I just got this news thing. Yeah. It says the phenomenon of mass shootings created a surge of volunteers to gather signatures. <laughs> Knutson <clears throat> said, I signed it to keep our kids safe because something needs to change. Oh. Ravana Richardson said after she signed it last month, I have a kid that's going to be in first grade this upcoming season and I don't want her to have to be scared at school. The measure would ban large-capacity magazines over 10 rounds, except for current owners, law enforcement, and the military, and require a permit to purchase any gun. To qualify for a permit, an applicant would need to complete an approved firearm safety course, pay a fee, provide personal information, submit to fingerprinting and photographing, and pass a criminal background check. The state police would create a firearms database. Applicants would apply for the permit from the local police chief, county sheriff, or their designees. Yeah, because our police chief doesn't have anything else to do. Well, and... Oh, my gosh. It's just... Oh, my gosh. The... So, moving on. Uh, A Utah child at the age of four shoot at police outside a McDonald's drive-thru. So this four-year-old is shooting at police, and this world's this gal is scared that her kid's going to be scared going to uh, first grade. Uh 
Don't have go that with kid this fourth grader. Pack an iron. Or this four-year-old. Officers with the United Unified Police Department were responding to reports that a male subject allegedly brandished a firearm at McDonald's employees due to an incorrect order. They better get those fries right next time. Yeah. Around 1.30 local time, and once officers arrived and began to detain 27-year-old Sadat Johnson, a child in the back seat of his vehicle fired a gun at the responders. In the body camera footage from the United Police Department released to Fox 13 Utah, Officers can be heard telling two distraught children, ages three and four, in the backseat of Johnson's vehicle, it's okay, after one of the four-year-old children fired a single shot. Police initially detained Johnson after they asked him to exit his vehicle, and he refused to cooperate, according to a press release from the police department. Footage shows officers forcibly removing the suspect from the driver's seat and handcuffing him on the ground. A preliminary investigation indicated that the 27-year-old instructed his child to shoot at officers. Oh, gosh. Uh, to have an adult think it is okay to encourage a 4-year-old to pull a firearm and shoot at police illustrates how out of hand the campaign against police has gotten. Uh, this needs to stop, and we need to come together as a community to find solutions to the challenges we face in our neighborhoods. Officers are here to protect and serve, and we are beyond belief that something like this could happen. Utah authorities charged Johnson with child abuse, aggravated assault, and interference with an arresting officer after the incident. So, now, it's it's just like that. that uh, it doesn't matter how many times you try and restrict someone from getting a gun. If they want to get a gun, they're going to get a gun. Yeah. and Plain the, and simple. Yeah. And... Yeah, if they want, if they want a gun, they're going to be able to get one. Mm-hmm. And, and most of the people that are going to go out and get them by unlawful means are going to be the ones that are shooting up schools or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, the next news story: a teachers' union survey backfires and turns into epic self-own for Democrats, says education policy expert. In a recent survey, survey by the Randy Weingarten. Uh, American Federation of Teachers, Republicans were found to be winning on the issue of education compared to Democrats. On Fox and Friends' first Thursday, Corey DeAngelis, senior fellow at American Federation for Children, called the results an epic self-own. This was just an epic self-own for Randy Weingarten, her teachers' union's own poll tearing the narrative into shreds. It found that Republicans were winning on the issue of education and the Democrats were more likely to be viewed as over politicizing the classroom, which is the complete opposite of what Randy Weingarten has been tweeting every single day. She's been blaming the Republicans, but her own poll found that the Democrats, if anything, were more responsible for over-politicizing the classroom. And since then, there's been another poll that just came out from the Democrats for education reform, also finding Republicans up on the issue of education by about three percentage points. Uh... Three percentage points overall, and by nine percentage points with parents. The the GOP has a perfect opportunity here to become the parents' party. So, not to get too political on this, because there's idiots on both sides of it, but I think everybody agrees, well, not everybody, not but everybody. most everybody that's normal mm-hmm. would agree that we don't need to be teaching our first graders about gender, what gender they are, and they can be gender fluid, and all that other type of hoopla. The final one, news story that we got sent, Japan's 
Sakurajima volcano erupts, prompting officials to issue the highest alert. The Sakurajima volcano, one of Japan's most active volcanoes, erupted Sunday evening, prompting evacuations in the country's southern island. Japan's meteorological agency said the S-word erupted around 8.05 p.m. local time on the island of Kyushu, hurling large rocks as far as one and a half miles south and sending up plumes of smoke and ash. The meteorological agency issued a level 5 alert, the highest alert possible, to residential areas immediately near the volcano, such as parts of Kagoshima City, to evacuate. The city is home to about 600,000 people. Wow. Evacuees were advised to be cautious of falling volcanic rocks and possible flow of lava. Um, oh, and, oh, and searing gas within two miles of the crater. No injuries, death, or damage were immediately reported. Wow. So that's good. Yeah. And uh, that's... Uh, probably pretty close to it for the news. I see the Eagles have a pretty, uh, their schedule doesn't look too bad this year. It looks like they have a chance to make the playoffs if they don't blow it on themselves. But they probably will. So, um, don't know that anybody died again this week. You remember anybody dying? We talked about James Caan dying already, mm-hmm. I think. Yes. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. I think we it's just so- a heat wave. We need somebody famous to die. No, So we, we have don't. something to talk about. No, we don't. People are going to stop listening if people don't start dying. No, I don't think that's it. They could. They could. Um, so getting into this week's topic, it's terror on the airlines. And I think this one is probably pretty self-explanatory. If you can't figure it out, you might want to find a different podcast to listen to. Uh, it's... But it's referencing all the different um, airline hijackings that were taking place in the 1970s. And rather than going over the what an airline hijacking is, I guess, I'm, I just I went through a site and picked a few just kind of at random that we will talk about and uh, kind of go over those a little bit. One thing that I kind of see as a trend of the ones that I read through with these things was that if an uh, airline is hijacked in the Western Hemisphere, they always want a plane to Cuba. It's like Cuba's like a hijacker's refugee spot or whatever. Oh. And I also found that a lot of the uh, hijackings were behind the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Oh. And so uh, we will kind of dig into this another thing too is i'd read a book once and one of the main um reasons for starting up the delta force was because of all these airline hijackings because remember that guy that we bought our camp trailer from back uh that very first camp trailer we had he was one of the uh, original founding members of the delta force and he said he went in in like 1979 remember the guy that had all the ranger deals and stuff on his wall and i asked him if he was an army ranger and he said yeah as one of the original was i there we were buying the camp trailer together well i i don't remember was it the wilderness one yeah over there at courtesy rv which is no longer there oh remember that guy yeah 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 i remember him now yeah oh i've kind of got an eidetic memory i think apparently apparently i have a forgetful memory yeah i think it's all the pot yeah, that's yeah, that's definitely it. So, 
getting into our stories, we're going to start this one off kind of close to home, and it's probably one of the most popular hijackings, uh, mainly because nobody knows what happened to the guy. Did he really hijack it, though? I don't yeah. think of him like a hijacker. He did. Okay. Um, and I've listened to a few podcasts that talk about this guy. There's actually a movie out on Netflix <clears throat> that's a documentary about this, which if I'd have known, I think it just came out on Netflix, because if I'd have known about it, I could have used it for the research. But I didn't know it was out there, so. There's that. This hijacking took place on November 24th of 1971, and... Was it Thanksgiving Day? No. Okay. You know what day Thanksgiving? Thursday. Yeah, just checking. Yeah. Somebody used to not know that it was always on a Thursday. Yes, it's always on a Thursday, in case you didn't know. So, D.B. Cooper hijacked a plane that was en route from Portland, Oregon to Seattle, Washington... Shortly after takeoff, he handed the stewardess a note, and she just dropped it in her purse. Uh, and he told her she better take a look at it, because she had assumed it was just a lonely businessman or something like that. And it was his phone na- phone number, which kind of makes me wonder why she didn't just crumple it up and throw away, but she dropped it in her purse. Maybe she was trying she, to be nice. She assumed it was a lonely businessman and thought it was his phone number, and she still held on to it. Maybe she didn't have a garbage can right there. Maybe she was a lonely stewardess. I don't think so. Only the lonely. Anyhow. Hmm. Anyhow, maybe there's a little bit of bunk a donk I don't think so. But anyhow, um, the, the note that he gave her mentioned that he had a bomb, and he told her to sit beside him. So he laid out his demands that he wanted $200,000 and four parachutes, two main ones and two reserve ones, which I find a kind that... Er, I find that kind of interesting, because what did he need two pair? Was he planning on jumping with somebody else? Well, maybe it was going to carry the money. One parachute was going to carry the money, and he was going to carry Hold on to it, because the money could float off with the parachute. Not if it's in a bag. If the wind catches it, it'll take it clear who knows where. Maybe that's what happened. (sighs) (laughs) The plane was operated by Northwest Orient, and they authorized the ransom and got the money together. And then once they got to Seattle, the passengers and most of the crew were released, and the plane was refueled. And he then told them to take off for Mexico City. And he wanted them to fly as slow as possible without stalling the engine and not to go above 10,000 feet. So this guy kind of knew what he was doing. And this kind of all plays out in some of the conspiracy theories that I've listened to about this guy. But they think he was like maybe a former, former army airborne guy or something because it really seemed like he had this planned out maybe he was just scared of going too (coughs) fast and too high because he couldn't jump out of the plane (laughs) going too high and that fast right he also wanted them to leave the landing gear down uh as they were flying but once they were up uh cruising he was the only one left in the cabin and the crew uh he had all the crew like in the cockpit and they noticed a change in the cabin pressure so when they went and opened the door and looked back into the cabin he was gone and he'd bailed out somewhere over the columbia and um nobody's ever heard from him again and no one knows where the money went maybe he some people thought they may have found some of the money in a sandy bank on the columbia here a few years back but uh yeah nobody really knows maybe he landed happened. in the columbia and drowned and is at the bottom of it well, that's what they kind of think, but it wouldn't it be nice to know for sure? Well, don't can't they like put? It's kind of like check- Bigfoot. Maybe Bigfoot went out there oh, and ate him. Yeah, maybe. 
No. Or maybe he was abducted by aliens. Huh. I never thought of that, did you? Because they don't exist. Well, maybe D.B. Cooper doesn't exist. Well, apparently he did. Have you ever seen him? No, but have you ever seen Bigfoot? These people have. Maybe these people have seen Bigfoot. Let's ask them. I don't know their names, and I forgot their number. Okay. Well, see, the stewardess tried to hand you a phone number, but you didn't take it. Well, I'm a married man. There you go. Anywho. So here's one that's kind of cool. This took place on July 20th, 1973. It's a good year, by the way. It's the best year ever. Anyhow. This was Japan Airlines Flight 404, and it was en route from Amsterdam to Tokyo. We've been there. Um, Oddly enough, it was going to Tokyo via Anchorage, which... From Amsterdam to Tokyo, almost thinks you'd have to fly past it and uh-huh. then come back. But I think it has to do with that whole, it's easier to fly up and around things mm-hmm. on the Earth because of how it's round than just flying straight across. It's easier to make this big loop up. Kind of like when we flew to Africa, we left like Washington, D.C. and flew up over Greenland and came back down in that oh, way. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So It's because uh, of the winds. No, it's because of the shape of the earth. In the winds, it helps push you. It helps you sleep at night. <laughs> sleep at least. Anyhow, this was carried out by one guy from the Japanese Red Army and four other ones from none other than militants from the PLO, wow. the Palestinian Liberation Organization. Uh, they took control of the plane shortly after takeoff, and this is kind of funny. One of the hijackers had a hand grenade that den- detonated on accident, killing her instantly. And it injured the plane's chief purser, which I'm not sure what a chief purser is. But they announced air traffic control that they were hijacking the plane in the name of the Palestinian Liberation Movement. Um, Which, all these different things that the PLO did, I don't know exactly how that supports their cause. You think it'd just make people more mad at them. But anyhow, they tried to get uh, several Middle Eastern countries to allow them to land, but none of them would let them land there. And they were finally allowed to land in Dubai. Oh. They were on the ground for a few days, and they were requesting the release of a JRA person who was involved in an attack on the Tel Aviv airport. The Israelis were holding the prisoner and weren't much for negotiating. So then the plane... On modern airliners, the cabin manager is often called the purser. Oh, so it's a chief flight attendant. The purser offer. The purser oversees the flight attendants by making sure airline passengers are safe and comfortable. A purser completes detailed reports and verifies all safety procedures are followed. So maybe with that one with D.B. Cooper, she didn't stick the note in her purse. She stuck it in the purser. There you go. Yeah, she gave him an enema. Sorry, that was a A paper enema. No. Okay. So they end up flying the plane to Damascus in Syria... And then to Benghazi, <clears throat> we all know what happened there, in Lebanon, uh, which Benghazi is going to come up in a later episode. Once they had gotten to Benghazi, the crew and the passengers were released, and then they uh, blew up the airplane. Oh, good grief. Yeah. The guy from the JRA escaped and did another hijacking of a Japan Airlines flight in uh, 1977. By the way, JRA is Japanese Red Army. Uh he did another hijacking of a Japan Airlines flight in 1977, but he was finally apprehended in 1987 in Tokyo when he entered Japan under a forged passport, and he ended up dying in prison in 2011. Hmm. 
Another hijacking that I found was TWA Flight 255, and it took place on September 10th of 1976. This plane was um, taking off from LaGuardia on its way to O'Hare, and the hijackers were from Croatia. They had the plane rerouted to Montreal, and they told the pilot to let the authorities know that they had planted a bomb in Grand Central Terminal in New York, and they gave directions on how to find it. So they've got the plane hijacked, and then they've got the guys, this is like a movie, they got the guys on the ground going to this terminal to find this bomb that they say that they planted there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they also wanted an appeal sent out to the American people for Croatia's independence, printed in several major newspapers like the New York Times or the LA Times, a few of those. Anyhow, the authorities did end up finding the bomb, and when they were attempting to dismantle it, it went off and killed a New York police officer. And then the hijackers had them fly to Newfoundland, where they released 35 passengers. Then they flew to Iceland, and they wanted to land in London, but the British government refused it, so they eventually ended up landing in Paris. And the hijackers surrendered, and it was found that the supposed explosives they had on the plane were fakes. They were actually just pressure cookers. But the bomb was actually a real thing, the bomb that they'd planted, but the ones that they had on the plane were just fakes. Oh. But I bet they had egg on their face, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Then the last one we're going to talk about is one that um, is actually interesting. And this is another one that the Palestinians did. And um, a lot of people will probably know about this one. You should know about this one. Should. You probably will once we get going. They hijacked a plane that was carrying a bunch of passengers who were Jews. The plane took off from Tel Aviv and was headed to Paris. And once the hijackers took over the plane, which... There were only four to start off with. Uh, two were Palestinians and two were Germans. They rerouted the plane to Benghazi, Libya, where they refueled. Uh, there was also a woman on board that they let off because she faked that she was having a miscarriage. But once they refue- refueled, um, and I, I'm not exactly sure how it came about. I think they were wanting a safe country to land in and nobody would give them uh, anywhere to land. But... Uh, they got in touch with Idi Amin, who was the president of Uganda, and he said they could come there. And so once they got to Entebbe, they separated the hostages from Israeli to non-Israeli. Now, Israel started off kind of being diplomatic about the whole thing and told them that they wanted the hostages released. Um, there were also uh, some other people that were trying to negotiate with the hostage takers, uh, including the president of Egypt and the leader of the PLO. He was trying to get them to release them. But they refused, so Israel decided that they were going to go in and get their people out on their own. Mm. Their, lig- their original plan was to go in over Lake Victoria and drop the commandos and storm the airport that way. But then they found out that Lake Victoria was home to a bunch of Nile crocodiles, so they abandoned that plan, didn't figure that would work out too good for them. The new plan, and the one that they ended up going with, was that they landed a plane, and then uh, they got into a vehicle that looked like audio... Idia Means vehicle, the one that he trolled around in. And then they also had a processional of other vehicles, which looked like the way he normally traveled. They had, you know, his black suburban or whatever colors they are and had a bunch of other rigs with him. Once they got to the airport, they went in. And this is kind of where the cool part takes place. They'd had, so the hostage takers had had all these people separated, like into different rooms. They had all the Israelis here in this one area and had all the other people in this other one. Um, And as they went into the airport, 
They spoke in English and Hebrew, neither language the hostage-takers understood, and they told everybody to stay down, we are Israeli soldiers. Hmm. And anyone left standing was shot. Oh. Which is pretty smart. Because the hostage-takers didn't understand what they were saying, so all the Israeli people, the people that understood Hebrew and English, they hit the deck. Uh-huh. The hostage guys didn't know what they were saying, so they oh. just stood there like a bunch of goons. And then they got their heads blown off. Well, maybe not their heads blown. Maybe got shot in the heart or something, too. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, though, there was a Frenchman who stayed standing. But um, he was French, so he would have given up anyhow. Uh, the hostage takers, the ones that were still left, they retreated. And the Israelis spoke in Hebrew, asking where the rest of the hostage takers were. And they were pointed to a room... And they went to this room, and then they tossed in some hand grenades in the room and shut the door. And then they went in and then shot three of the remaining hostage takers. Um, And ended up, I think they ended up killing all the hostage takers. There wasn't anybody left to talk to. There's actually a movie about this uh, that came out quite a few years ago. I think uh, think Charles Bronson is in it. It's, uh, I think, maybe called The Radon and Tebby. Oh. And we actually got to see the old... They had they shot this place up so bad they had to build a new airport. Because uh-huh. when you go to Uganda, there's the old Entebbe airport and then there's the new Entebbe airport. And the new Entebbe airport doesn't have nearly as many holes in it as the old Entebbe airport does. Yeah. And that's pretty much it for uh, the Terror on the Airlines episode. I hope you guys kind of like this format of not me just rolling on about different stuff but actually kind of sharing some stories It'd be really cool if somebody emailed in with some stories that they wanted to share or have me share that'd be cool too yes but hopefully uh you guys all stay safe in this heat out there if it's hot where you're at and it's hot everywhere and not everywhere because in uh antarctica it's like negative 65 degrees okay well antarctica doesn't count well maybe south africa maybe it's cold there <laughs> Okay. Anyhow, stay safe. Stay hydrated. And um, unfortunately, beer does not count as hydration. Nope. We've covered that in our safety meetings a few times this week already at work. Excellent. Take care of your animals. Plenty of shade. Do not walk them on hot pavement. If you can't put the back of your hand on the hot pavement and hold it there for 10 seconds, it's too hard for your animals to walk. Oh, and if you have like a sick dog or a cat... What really helps them is to go swimming, and it works no, best if you have a gunny no, sack. No, it, no, no. What? Say goodbye. It'll nope, cool them off. Nope, nope, Okay, well, I guess that's it for this one. We will uh, see you guys on the next one. Have a good week. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Are you going to tell him how well, to reach you? No. Oh. I haven't been. Have you not been paying attention for a couple episodes? I've been saying it for a couple episodes now. Because nobody reaches out anyhow. I thought you did them last month. My cousin reaches out. Yep. And Papa reached out and told me that of a episode that I've started researching for. Actually, I've gotten about one and a half pages of research done on it so far. Okay. I got to do a lot more. Well, you know how to reach us. Yeah. So, stay safe, have fun, and uh, don't sweat the petty things and don't pet the sweaty things. (sighs) Goodbye.